Hi, everybody. That's Philip. And this is Dana. And we're, we're Tango. Tango. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming, coming Michaela. Thank you for having me. Hi, Michaela. Hi. So, Michaela Berry is a storyteller, an artist, a theater maker, a sound designer. A sound designer. Um, a curator. Yeah, I am. I wear many, many hats. <laughs> and uh, is we are lucky enough to be collaborators in brunch theater, as is Dana. And we are going to be talking about what we want to talk about today with you is really about storytelling. I mean, mm-hmm. it starts. Everything starts with storytelling, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. And, and how sex and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Both so, on like a personal and professional level, right? Because you worked at the Museum of Sex. Yes, I did for you, a year and a half. Yeah, and you have a lot of experience both like behind the scenes storytelling at museums and also in your own practice as an artist and then also as a human being who mm-hmm. tells stories and has sex. Yeah. <laughs> And with starting sort of like at the beginning, let's start with your birds and the bees. Um, what was that like for you? Okay, I think I got the talk when I was maybe in, in like, I was very young. I had um, a single mom who was just like very cool, progressive. I had an older sister. Mm-hmm. And I think I was in maybe second grade. Um, and oh. my mom just kind of like laid it out for me and was just like this is the thing penis vagina this is how how sex works your period's gonna come like just kind of laid it all out and then um every year at my school I went to a Christian school that actually uh encouraged abstinence um but they still talked to us about about sex um every year they'd be like so they would ask questions about you know like does anybody know what happens and I was like actually I do um (laughs) the man puts his penis inside his inside the vagina like like, I know how sex works, like, me in, like, sixth grade. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, There's always that one kid. Yeah. <laughs> who's, like, spoiling that Santa isn't real. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? The spoiling Santa thing is real. So true. Yeah. And spoiling what sex is. Yeah. So I was like, I know. Um, and so I always, and I, my mom was always a person, like, when I started to become, I wasn't really sexually active, honestly, until college. Um, I had one sexual experience when I was in high school and like I'm I'm incredibly gay and I realized that as I was I remember exactly what I was what I was watching on TV as I was like as he was like penetrating me because it was so just like it was Evan Almighty Um, and I remember I remember like I just remember like it happening and then Evan Almighty made me gay it made me gay but like it was so funny because like after it happened I like left his apartment and I was just like I don't think I need to do that again um so but my mom was always very very open about like telling me what my options were like teaching me how to be safe like making sure that I knew that like I could come to her for anything like sexually um but it sounds like your birds and the bees was a heteronormative narrative it was incredibly heteronormative um I don't think I really learned about like queer sex until like you I got, started having queer sex until I started having <laughs> queer sex I like yeah. I sure. I didn't even like even when I watched porn I was like would always watch kind of like straight porn and then mm. I got to college and like got drunk and hooked up with someone for like hooked up with a girl for the first time and I was like oh this isn't that hard I know how I was like okay this, this I is have good. one of these yes yeah. I was like oh okay the hand goes here hand goes here like this is fine you know as we're like in this twin bed um, <laughs> sure. yeah nothing has felt so comfortable yeah 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 and so so, and it just, but it felt, it, and it was, it felt so comfortable and just felt mm-hmm. right to like be having sex with another like vagina right. holder. Sex so. all of a sudden made sense. Yeah, it made sense. And so, it was something I was suddenly like, 
oh, I enjoy this. Did you feel like you had a second Birds and the Bees moment? I Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think my real second Birds and the Bees moment was when I started working at the Museum of Sex. And, like, I because I had never used toys before. I had never, mm. like... That just was not something that I ever thought that I was into, and I kind of just fell into this job at the Museum of Sex because my friend worked there, mm-hmm. and I didn't know any like I didn't know anything, and then all of a sudden I was like an expert, an expert on uh, all the sex toys, all the things. What so. was your first sex toy? Um, they gave it. It's still my favorite sex toy. Um, they gave it to me my very first day. It's called the Womanizer Pro Forty, and it's one of the ones that uses air circulation yeah. for clitoral stimulation. I, I know those. Yeah. Well. Oh, oh yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw that one at the museum. Mm-hmm. It gives out a little like Mm -hmm. yeah and it's still my favorite toy um i have like i think 11 or 12 at this point um the same toy no not the same (laughs) toy. yeah just like a stack lifetime supply um but that's still like my like my go-to um i have a sonic one mm -hmm. it's similar but instead of using like air pressure it's um almost like the equivalent of a big speaker mm-hmm. oh okay that's yeah. cool that's awesome can you bring us a little bit into the experience of working at the museum of sex and like what the reaction from public is coming in people because i'm sure that you get a lot of different kinds of visitors those who want the information genuinely mm-hmm. and are seeking out like the best place to find this education mm-hmm. um as well as those who want to make fun of it yeah yeah like i remember I, you know, so it's on, it's on 27th and 5th and like the museum is upstairs, but the first thing that you see is the store. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people don't even go to the museum cause they don't want to pay like $25 to do it. They just want to like be like, Ooh, dildos. Ooh, yeah. like nipple clamps. Yeah. Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I still do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, always, I mean, it's a great sex store. It's a great sex store. It actually just won an award uh, really? for retail, uh, retail shop of the year. Um, X biz. I don't know what that Ooh, is, but yeah, my friend. Of sex. Yeah. So they're, they're really going for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, there would be some times where like my favorite thing to do would be like kind of the men who would come in and would be like, oh, where's like, where are the dildos? Like, where's the butt stuff? And I'm like, do you guys want to talk about butt stuff? Like, yes. we can, and they, would, and they would be so embarrassed because they were like trying to make fun of it. And I was sure. like, no, 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 like, let's talk about it. Like, let's, If you're so you know? open and comfortable comfortable about it, they're going to feel even more uncomfortable because then yeah. they're like, wait, then they're this like, isn't oh my the reaction God. I wanted. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, a lot of times, more often than not, I was helping people who are genuinely interested in finding a toy That's that great. was suitable for their needs. And I actually found it incredibly rewarding at times because there were people who would come in who were like buying their first vibrator or you know there are people who had never had an orgasm and I was like let's find you a toy that's gonna like make you like make you come like let's do it like (laughs) (laughs) oh my god like that's like I mean it's not being a sex therapist because like you go to school and have degrees and all of this stuff in an office and right a but it's thing on the wall but it was a lot of that it's you like know? that there's it's like sometimes on the ground on like with the people sex educator and sometimes people would come in and they would explain problems about like the like their sex that they've been having with their partners and i was like i don't think you need a toy i think you guys actually just need to talk to each other like there were times like, <laughs> like, like i was like i think there's a communication error happening here like i don't think a toy is gonna help you but yeah i mean i i really um for the most part, I, it was retail, so it was grueling and kind of like not fun in that way. But I had a lot of really great interactions with people mm-hmm. who were interested in, you know, changing their sex lives. I remember mm-hmm. one of my last um, days at the museum, this this uh, man came in and he was like, you know, my girlfriend like 
really wants to put something in my butt and like I don't really know don't about that all. and like right don't we all and we had like a really genuine like 20 minute conversation about like easing into it lube starting with a finger getting some like toys started I said I said you should I kept shouting I kept being you should let her put something in your butt like you should <laughs> like you'll like it and he was like well I don't know and like we just like had a conversation about like the stigma of yeah. like m- you know be- being, being penetrated, penetrated. Yeah. yeah and by the end of it he bought a steel bl- butt plug and um, steel. I'm pretty sure Good yeah stainless steel very big fan of those because the weight of them are is like really glass. really nice yeah People are always nervous of the glass ones, and I'm like, they're not gonna break. It's it. They think it's gonna break. It's, gonna break yeah. it's yeah. the same glass they use to make Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, it's We're like fine. Pyrex glass. It's fine. Yeah. It's all fine. Um, but I think the weirdest was when Dennis Rodman came. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. He came in, and like, I didn't immediately clock who he was. I was right. like, I know this is I mean, a famous person. you're just like person. an older white, right. straight white guy. Yeah, right? you know, it was just like, I was like, I didn't, okay, I was like, okay, I know that this person is like sort of famous and he like had an entourage and like people were like, you know, like taking oh. pictures and like mm-hmm. doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, great, I'm going to tackle this because he looks rich and I want the, I want the commission of his sale. <laughs> sure. yeah. I talk him through all the toys. He's very inappropriate with me the whole time. Of He's course. like being too close to me. My my manager calls, comes over and it's like, just it, let him know if he wants to go to the museum for free like he can and like he winds up only buying um first he asked me about my erogenous zones and um I'm like that's actually information for me and not for you um and so and he's like asking me about you know my sex life and all of this stuff and I'm just which happens all the time like people people come in and think that I'm like willing to just like talk about my own sex life oh which I didn't sometimes but sometimes I'm like I don't know it's private actually yeah um but he he wound up buying like like 50 of those pills that are supposed to like keep your arousal, the kangaroo pills that are supposed to like, they're like an all natural Viagra. They're very popular. People like them. They're supposed to just make you a little mm. bit hornier. Like when you're in the act, he bought like 50 of those <laughs> and then just like left. <laughs> wow. um, so that was probably like the weirdest one. And then I, when he, after he left, I was like, that was Dennis Rodman. Right. And everyone was like, yeah, that was weird. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, was a weird. weird. One. <laughs> so what have you learned about, people's desire to talk about sex that they want to people want to talk about sex and people come in you know people would come in all the time and 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 it just was like all of a sudden they could just ask questions you know like we're there as museum of sex employees to help them you know and Mm -hmm. i would see somebody picking up a toy and i'd be like oh this toy does this this and this and like are you interested in that do you like internal do you like external and like really getting to know like how people what people like when like for pleasure mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and people want to talk about it and they want to find something like more 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 importantly they want to find something that helps them like with their pleasure um and so yeah i found it i found that people were actually very like not shy about it I, that's amazing maybe a little too unshy like some yeah. sometimes yeah, people would really totally. be going off about their sex lives and i'm like i actually didn't need to know like all of that pretense, all of that information, but like that's cool. It's probably because they never had talked mm-hmm. about it, and then yeah. you open the floodgate, and then it's like, oh my god, I can't yeah. stop talking about it. Yeah, and it's suddenly like I helped, like I helped this one couple where like they had been married for years, and like he was just saying the the man was like, I just I, I it's not working, like I don't know what's working, and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And like, yeah. like you know, and I, I was like, well, what, what activities I, are I you like, participating what's, in? What's going on? And then he bought a womanizer because I said it might be really helpful if you like are you know massaging the clitoris while you're penetrating her because most like stimulation comes from clitoral stimulation and you're probably Mm -hmm. just like putting your dick in her and like not 
and she's probably not enjoying that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. she was like super excited about the toy. They came, I think they came back actually to I thank me. That. And oh so, my like, God. yes. They and so, back. like, that, those were like the best moments. I there was also that. like the dumb moments of like, people having sex in the bathroom oh, or shit. like you know there's also um, a bar at the museum so yeah. like people would get been it's there. also open we've until been. midnight yes yes we've, we've been and so you know so like things get really weird like after like 10 yes. p.m yes. at the museum yes. of sex yes. and and it's like no one's buying anything at that point they're just like kind no. of just like you know <laughs> they're getting except drunk I and then they go into did. the store mm-hmm. and they play with the toys yeah exactly yeah Except me. I feel like we went into the store yeah. at the end and you guys were trying to leave. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what do I need? What am I low on? <laughs> what are we low on over here? You've had a lot of different sex educations because like working backwards, you've said that you had sex education from working at the Museum of Sex. Going backwards from there, there was, it seemed like a school moment of sex education. Going even further back from there, there was your mother. Mm-hmm. Was it a progression? Was there any, or was it, what, what was your favorite part of it? Of my sex education? Of your sex education. Um, probably, like, just knowing that I could talk to my mom about anything. From the mm. beginning. From the beginning. I actually. So having pretense really young. Having the pretense really young, like, I actually, I mean, I did, so I was, I was assaulted when I was in high school. And um, it was something that I immediately told my mom because I needed to make sure that I was taking the preventative measures to make sure that like nothing happened. Yeah. Back. And yeah. I was totally fine to talk to her about yeah. it. And yeah. she, there was no judgment. There's never been any judgment. She was just like, we got you. We can take care of you. you she, and she was always like, you know, she was like, Planned Parenthood is an option. If you want it. She was like, I'm not totally. raising any babies. But like, she just was, you know, totally. she was very like this is I'm here for you and I'm here yeah. and like it, I was always so grateful for that because I never felt like even my coming out yeah. was like kind of boring like she was just, <laughs> like it was it was like not dramatic at all like I came out when I was 16 and I was just like I like women she was like okay uh-huh. and then yeah. and, and then you know it's just she's just always been that person just be like whatever you need like you two gotcha. both did something really really right in that moment where you were like immediately go to my tools what mm-hmm. tools do i have mm. because i need something right and then she immediately also jumped to the tools yeah and was like what tools do i have that yeah. you need yeah and whether it's our sex ed whether it's our personal health mm-hmm. or our mental health like it really always comes down to like the tools and the safety nets that you set up for yourself mm-hmm. just knowing that we might get there yeah, yeah. And I um I actually mm. took my mom to the Museum of Sex and um had a gr- we had a great time. She learned so much and we had just like had an amazing time and mm-hmm. I bought her a toy yeah, and like it toy. was super sweet. I bought her one of the satisfier toys, which is um it's one that's also like a clitoral like yeah. suction toy and like we didn't like talk at length about it because you know we still have that like mother kind of daughter agreed. boundary, but yeah. I just was like, I have a discount here, like do you ha- do you want do you want a toy? And she was like, I have a toy and I was like, But you don't have this toy and I just like I was like, I'm gonna buy it for you and I like bought it for her. Oh, that's it was so really sweet. cute. Yeah. So. I sent my mom a butt plug yeah good why not yeah amazing she really wanted to know how to use it Mm -hmm. though she was like you don't use this do you i was like i do yeah we do it's the hardest thing okay so you both are able to talk to your parents about sex but like on the other hand it's a strong word mother mother yeah Mom. True. I don't necessarily talk about sex with my parents. They know that I now work in it more and kind of <laughs> just like I work more. I work in it. Yeah. They and, know I'm adjacent. <laughs> I'm sex adjacent. But I mean honestly truly one of the most amazing moments that I've had in sex education with my parents is when after our gala that we had for our sex show, 
I see my parents interacting with some other Gen X people and I say I see them and I'm like hey like what's this conversation and they're like oh we're actually talking about what our sex education looked like Mm -hmm. and I was like yes Mm -hmm. that's amazing but like talk I want you two to talk about what it's like broaching the conversation of sex or was it that your parent made the space for you to be comfortable to bring things up yeah, my well, for mom. you it was. Yeah, yeah. My, my mom, mom also just made the space. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mother has absolutely no boundaries. Yeah, so <laughs> mm-hmm. zero. Mm-hmm. So talking about sex was kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. If anything, I was like, "Mom, we've had like forty talks. Yeah, we've done. We've had so many. <laughs> yeah, at every point, like we we really have all, we we've talked it to death. Mom. Even in college, every time I was like, I had like a new like lover. Mm-hmm. She'd be like, "Are you being safe? Mm-hmm. Are you using protection?" As if like. I didn't know, one, I didn't know what that protection was. Two, as if, like, we hadn't had that conversation a thousand times. Right. And it's always, like, just remember, STIs, just remember getting Mm -hmm. pregnant. And then she's always, like, just remember that as a woman, sex is going to mean more for you emotionally. Yeah. And she's just, like, every single time. Yeah. Breakup, new lover, sex talk. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I turn 26, <laughs> sex talk. Like, I tell her I have a new friend. Do we need another talk? She's, like, in every kind of, like, milestone I go through. Mm-hmm. I just got an eye exam. Something changed. Do we need a talk? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was actually on the, I was in the car with my mom recently, and I, I was like, well, I don't know why we were talking about, like, my sexual activity in high school, but we were, and um, I was like, you know I wasn't sexually active in high school, and she was like, I don't care if you were, and I was like, no, but I want you to know that I wasn't, and she was like, mm. okay, this, that does, doesn't I, change she anything. She was like, I honestly really don't care, and she, and she was like, I just, you, all I cared about was, like, you being safe, and, like, so very chill. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah. I have a brother, a twin brother, and I will say, as we've gotten older, one thing we really love doing is revisiting the lies we've told our parents with oh, our yeah. parents. Yeah. And like Ooh, revisiting, no, 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 like, no, 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 no. oh no no no, we do it with <laughs> our parents. Like I remember, oh, I had a boyfriend in high school, and I used to stay at my. I used to tell my mother I was staying at my cousin's house. And I would stay at his. And I remember getting older being like, all those times I said I was at my cousin's, I was lying. Mm -hmm. And she knew. I mean, she kind of knew, she didn't know. But like, we really started like uncovering all of the breadcrumbs that we had laid out to give them hints that we were up to no good. That I I lied to my mother literally one time. I we were like she I my sister is older and my parents are divorced and when my sister was 14 and I was 12, she went to boarding school. So from when I was 12 to 18 it was just like me and my mom. So that's part of the reason that we were like so close. So close. Yeah. And I I lied one time. I said, "We're going to go see a movie at midnight." Sure. <laughs> and um, we came back. The lies are never good. They don't know because you know because you're 16. Like you don't know how to lie when you're 16. They're awful. I was like, we're gonna go see a movie. She was like, what movie? And I was like, you know the movie. And so we <laughs> the came one back. with the actors. Yeah, we came back and we were we were drunk. We were safe. Like my we had a designated driver. Like it was totally fine. Of course. And my mom was awake and she was like, next time just tell me you're going to a party. And like oh, yeah. that was literally the only time. And then recently she um, told me that she was like, "Yeah, I was going." She was like, "I went through your drawers all the time." Like, all she the was time. Like, like oh, she, I agree. With I that. caught my no, mom snooping my phone. Yeah, she <laughs> my was mom like, would read my text messages. My mom, my Snoop. mom. One time she I, was a Gemini. Mm, 
the snoopers. <laughs> One time I had like a water bottle full of vodka that I put in my sock drawer because I was gonna like drink it with my friends. I was like like not enough vodka to do literally anything. Yeah, half a shot. And my mom yeah, and my mom my mom called me and she was like, I just wanted to let you know that you're not very smart because you put water in the vodka um bottle and it froze. And <laughs> sure. so and she was like so I just she was just like I, first of all, she like didn't get me in trouble. She literally was just like that was not smart. Like she was like, if you're going to fill it back up, you can't fill it up with something that's going to freeze she's like just sure. at least just be <laughs> yeah, smarter she was, yeah like that's really anytime yeah. i did anything it was just kind of like just be smarter about I love it that. Yeah. yeah my mom my mom's version i remember so specifically so mm-hmm. we don't talk about sex mm-hmm. and if it has ever come up it's so uncomfortable <laughs> yet it's so easy for me to talk about it but my mother i go away to college i forgot that i left and I wasn't very sexually active in college. And I had forgot that I left like a toiletry bag filled with condoms, mm-hmm. sure. which would make me look like I'm obsessed. But actually what it was is every single condom that you get given from like sixth grade onward yeah. was in this one pouch. <laughs> that you would never touch. Every just weren't single using one them. of them. Yeah. And my mom had found it from snooping. Sure. And she left it perfectly laid out on my desk. Oh, mm-hmm. fill up. And then never addressed it. I go in. More yeah, you're like, oh my god. White. <laughs> and then I like leave my room, like probably just like bye. And then she's like, nothing. Nothing. Silent. Oh, Philip, my mother found a huge bong underneath my bathroom sink, <gasps> and she put it in the kitchen on our dining room table. My brother and I came home from school, and there was a bong on the table. We see my mother in the kitchen says nothing and we had to sit there and eat dinner with the bong on the table that's amazing in that's, silence <laughs> that's a that's a that's a i love that parenting move honestly yeah. it was tragic so we had to address it she uh my mother is that makes me excited to be a parent <laughs> yeah <laughs> that kind of manipulation um, i want to like actually this idea of parenthood is like parentage parenthood Oh my God, how do you say it? It's so new. Parenthood. Why why did I say parentage? I think that works. So, okay, let's all picture that. Like, Michaela, as a person who had the mother that you have, so lucky for you, what would you do? At what age would you start to bring up sex? Um, I would probably, like, as soon as puberty kind of starts, like, I, that was the thing was, so... At my school, at Pasadena Christian School, fourth grade, they have this thing called the mother-daughter tea, and you dress up, and you go with your mom, and it's in the auditorium, which is also, like, the gym, and, like, mm-hmm. also where you do, like, you know, the school plays. Everything's in the Everything's one room. Everything's in the one room. Yeah. And a woman comes, and you drink tea, and, they're t- and then you, you talk about your bodies with your mother. Oh, my and God. It's, it's, oh, it's, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so it's it's fourth grade, and it's just this woman who's, like, a licensed... Do you she, dress up? She may, yeah, of course you dress up. It's tea. Oh, it's tea. Um, <laughs> it's tea. And, we, and we, we would sit, and we would... And fourth grade is when it started, and we would sit, and they were talking to us about just mostly about, like, our bodies changing. It wasn't the sex talk right, yet. Right, right, Because, but, like you're about to start puberty right. and you're about and to like, get your period. These are all the things and, that are weird, yeah. you know. And so, but with the mother-daughter tea, like with the bodies changing, my mom was also like supplementing it with like talking about sex. And then every year from there, there was like one day where they separated the boys and the girls and like did the like talk 
Um, wow. Yeah, like up until eighth grade, we've had those talks. But then it was always like, but you should be saving yourself for marriage because it was a Christian school. Of sure, course. sure, sure, um, sure, sure. My so. school also instilled Christian values. Yeah. So. so, but then Westridge, where I went to high school for a brief period of time, um, before they asked me to leave, um, <laughs> was uh, was super duper progressive. It was it was private all girls, but it wasn't Catholic, and they were all like the like nickname was Lesridge. They're like, oh my god, everyone there is gay, and like you know, uh-huh. they that's when I learned like how to put on a condom like with actual like on dildos, like yeah, actual yeah. contraception, like actual like oh they brought in dildos for it. Mm-hmm. You had some like progressive sex ed. I honestly did. I really did. And then my mom was always supplementing it with like yes, sex ed, and also here are your options, and also know that I'm going to. Support Support you in whatever it is that you need wow. to do and then I proceeded to honestly like I have a very boring sex life like it's not <laughs> like it's nothing nothing exciting do you feel like your sex ed had like terminology in it like pleasure or that sex was no. for pleasure no I no I mean my mom was like you, you she was like you're gonna have sex and it's gonna feel like it feels good my mom mm-hmm. was straight up about that and then working obviously oh, at the museum nice. of yeah. sex was like that's when I actually started to realize that like like I was like hooking up with people in college. There was a one girl who um, dry humped me for the entirety of Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City, like the extended version. Um, and I, I just kind of was lying there. And then I was like, I was like, I have class in the morning. Like, I, it was like literally the entire album where she was, and she was like, was this good for you? And I was like, actually not. Like not really. And then and so then, but then when I started learning about like lube and toys and ways to lube. like increase, I can't talk enough about lube and how you should not be using KY jelly. You should be using like water-based, especially if you're using your toys because you need to take care of your toys. And like everybody can benefit from lube. It doesn't matter if you're naturally wet or it doesn't matter like what it is. More the merrier. You should be using lube. Absolutely. Everyone out there, use lube. Buy lube. If you don't have lube, buy it. That is my like... Good yeah. sex equals lube. Yeah, no, you you need it. I have I yeah. have a CBD. I have Foria, the CBD and yeah. yes. the mist. Really, yes. really. I don't like how it smells. I I have not smelled it really. I don't think, but it is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And when I come back from California, I am gonna bring THC infused lube. So. Yes, there's so we're about to collaborate with this awesome company called Quim. They are a lubricant company. Um, and they have a CBD lube and a THC lube that they sell only in California and. It's just, I really want to try it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. The CBD lube is, like, it really helps with, like, arousal and, like, you know, I've had partners who have, like, had really hard times, like, getting off and I would be like, oh, like, let Hold me try on. this. And I'd, like, put a couple of drops on and they'd be like, wow, that feels great. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Yes, because it's CBD. Yeah. And also, you sh- you should be using lube, everyone. Yeah. Yes. So, do you... PSA for lube. <laughs> this is just a lube commercial. Yeah. Brought to you by lube. lube. By, yeah. Just lube in general. Hi, everybody. So, it's still us. And, and we're, we're still, still Tango. Tango. A new sex company for everybody. And everybody. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for the support that we've gotten so far. We are so excited to be releasing new episodes bi-weekly for your pleasure. And to show our love to you, we've made a promo code just for you. Check out the Tango plug, or tote, or both. Use code thank you for coming to get 15% off of your first Tango purchase at www.tangowith.us. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming. coming. To go back to something that you talked about and do another segment of ours, which is define a word. Ooh, and okay. a f- definition, whatever your words are to define this word. Wait, can I okay. guess what you're going to say? Um, well, I wrote it down. No, okay. 
You go. So I want you to define the word intimacy. Ooh. Oh my god. Oh wow. Oh man. Um, it's it's like uh, okay. It's like um, holding the face of someone that you care about really, really deeply, like cupping their face in your mm-hmm. hands, mm-hmm. and you're looking at them like they are the prettiest like flower like the most lovely thing that you've ever seen mm-hmm. and you feel like the warmth of their of their cheeks in your hands mm-hmm. and you're so happy that you are alive and that this person is alive mm-hmm. and all you want to do is be close to that person yeah that's what intimacy that moment. that's what it is to me so mm. intimacy i i'm I love, with it i love intimacy <laughs> and i i love intimacy almost so much more than i love sex mm-hmm. and intimacy I feel like is not talked about in sex enough. I was gonna say. Uh, why? Why intimacy do we see them as two pleasure. different things? Intimacy and pleasure are so not covered in sex ed. Well, also because intimacy is something that is like a lot more like personal and vulnerable as yeah. opposed to like, you know, like just talking about like the act of sex. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, intimacy is like, I, I self-identify as like an intimacy fiend. Like I just think mm-hmm. it's, I, it's like, I just like love it. Like I love, like I'm a poet. So like I love, yeah. you know. I'm a Sagittarius. Like, so yeah. I self-identify as the anti-intimacy. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my Venus is in Pisces. So I'm just like, it's oh, over for sure. me. Yeah. So sure. I'm just, I'm very just like, like a puddle. I'm just yeah. a puddle. Yeah. And I'm like, so like literally my birthday was yesterday and somebody gave me a rose and I started crying and yeah. like, you know, I just like, I kept talking. I was like, today's been so splendid. Like, everything is just so lovely. Like, all my favorite people are here, and this is amazing. And, like, I think platonic intimacy is maybe one of my favorite things. Uh-huh. Like, my best friend slept over last night, and, like, we just, like, shared the bed, and we're watching Parent Trap and drinking champagne and just had that, like, unspoken, like, connection. It was a very good night. Um, and just had, like, that unspoken just, like, like heat between yeah. each other sure. that wasn't sexual at all yeah. but it was just that, that that like heat of like I care about you so much yeah. and I, I care about your heart and I care about your safety mm-hmm. and I care about like your life mm-hmm. and like I think that because it's more of an abstract concept or something that's a little bit harder to to teach it's sure. not necessarily well, like included and I think why it's hard to teach is because it's also not the same for everyone mm-hmm. like I love intimacy and I care about my friends and my lovers and my people so much but like don't touch me like <laughs> yeah I'm very, I'm very like don't give me gifts yeah. I'll give you gifts <laughs> I'm, like, like, I live somewhere in the, on the spectrum if you're one end of the spectrum and yeah. you're the other end of the spectrum I'm somewhere in the middle where I'm like I want the intimacy so much until I don't. Well, and, and then I need a break. And that's why it's actually important to like talk about. I think something that could actually be very beneficial in sex ed is talking about love languages. Yeah, and oh, I'm like so happy literally, you said that term. yeah. Thank no, you. I I talk about it. I make every every person I've ever gone on even one date with. I'm like, what's your love language? Like, I really need like, to I don't know. know what that means. Yeah, and I'm like, here's the link. It's literally bookmarked. Here's the link. I'll send it to you. Like, Wait, there's an out, official. You, you can take a you can take a, qu- a quiz to figure yeah. out like what your love language is. There's a lot of different sites mm, now that yeah. have the quiz, but mm-hmm. some of them you have to put your email in and yeah. you don't really want to put your email in <laughs> them. something you can just do it right there on the page I don't yeah. think I know formally what my love language is but I think that it's I just have to lead mm-hmm. my love language is let me lead mm-hmm. don't assume anything it's like the way I feel like 
every time I'm on the subway, someone taps me on the shoulder to try to tell me, like, I look pretty. And I'm like, these headphones weren't an invitation. So yours is definitely not words of affirmation. Not words of affirmation. (laughs) No. And I'm very Mine is like like, all of them. Well, no, 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 no. I can do do words of affirmation. I like Mm. them. But I fish for them. I don't (sighs) want you to, like, affirm me if I wasn't, like... You need to take the test. You need to, you take, need the to test. take the test. I'm like so like I look through everything like like I'm in a rom com. Like everything is like so beautiful to me all the time. Like we went outside yesterday and it snowed for two seconds and I was like, oh my god, how marvelous! And everyone was like, <laughs> and everyone was like, are you a real person? And like no, I, I I'm always like smiling at people and like people have always told me that I have like a very friendly face uh-huh. and that like I I'm just like and I'm so open and I just think life is so beautiful mm-hmm. and I like see small things. I'm just I'm a huge puddle. Yeah. And I just I literally like I'm like the hard eyes emoji like all the time <laughs> at everything and like mm. I really like know that in a partner. Or like, as I'm, you know, newly single, I would I really love, I would I really want, if for everybody listening, um, is I want to be swept off my feet. I want to be Ooh. romanced. I want yeah. someone to buy me flowers. I want like, I want it. I want. I want it. Mm. I want that. See, I want to sweep someone off their feet. So we should talk after you know, this. Session. We should. I think we have. Should we leave? We can, we can take numbers. <laughs> okay. So. From your job at Museum of Sex and from having some like pretty like um, all-encompassing sex, well, not all-encompassing, but like pretty well-encompassed sex ed and your ability to talk about it naturally and you're a storyteller, do you feel like people make assumptions about your sex life because of those certain things? Oh, absolutely. I know that 90% of the people who walked in and saw me at the Museum of Sex thought that I was like a huge whore. Like, yeah. or like, yeah. which like wouldn't have mattered. Like, you know, like it, if I was, or if I was sleeping around all the time, yeah. or what, you know, like it really, like who cares? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I know that the uh, immediate assumption was like, oh, you work here. You must have a lot of wild and crazy and like, you, you know yeah sex. you must be addicted yeah. to sex and like i really wasn't yeah. and so like i know that 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 is something that was was cast upon me yeah did um, you experience that with new partners i so i kind of because i've dated a lot of women who i was like their first uh-huh. woman that they've dated which i can't do again i've been <laughs> i've been out <laughs> i've been out since i was 16 i'm like i can't i just uh-uh. it's, it's too You're much i can't be an and experiment also, the like, first is never good no and it's it, i've done a lot of like teaching um yeah. as a as a partner um sure and and I think that I which can be fun yeah no it can be really fun but I actually met my ex at the museum of sex she was visiting with her friend for her birth for her friend's birthday and then like left her number for me and it was Love actually it. really what cute what do we that's really sweet. cute we yeah. take numbers yeah we take numbers we don't do it there but we take numbers <laughs> we take numbers it was actually really cute and she left her Instagram which was smart so I looked her up and her. then right yeah. and then that's brilliant and I, and I was like bold move and she that's and so I, I DM'd her I DM'd her she's a lovely person and um, we actually wound up dating for two years um but I, I i we talked recently about it she was like yeah, i was so intimidated by you because like you were just so cool and you just, you know all you know all these things about like sex toys and like then i i was nervous to have sex and i was just like i'm not it's, no. it's fine the, like it's, the experts are just as bad at having yeah. sex as everyone else yeah i also <laughs> we're had just a moment talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking about it we're just really comfortable talking about it yeah it's just not, but make no assumptions about our like at home life <laughs> um, I also had like a retail moment where like I asked it's always the job of the visitor not mm-hmm. the person at work because you're at work mm-hmm. 
We don't support that. Yeah. You're, if you're at work, you don't ask people out. No. But you take numbers. You can take a number. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really cute getting a number from someone. And I left my number once for someone mm-hmm. at a store. Terrible date, though. And oh, terrible no. sex. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, you had a terrible date and then you still had sex? Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's okay. In if it was if it was myself looking at myself, then <laughs> I don't know why I can't speak today. <laughs> but if I were to if see you myself could then, see yourself then sit I would him down. slap myself across the face <laughs> and then I would say, like, you don't like him. And listen to your gut. Right. And trust that he, he might be pretty. There are a lot of pretty people in this world mm-hmm. though. There's so many pretty people. And some pretty people are really smart. Yeah. Like you. Oh my god. So (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of pretty boys in the sea. There are many, many more pretty boys, and they will treat you with much more respect. Yes. And Mm. touch you better. Ooh. Can you give me this talk? You want this talk? We'll talk later. (laughs) Um I think the biggest thing I learned and the biggest thing that I would like say to people at at Mosex was like sex is a conversation. Like it is absolutely like a two way, like you have to be communicative. You have to check in with your partner. You have to like check in with yourself. And like, I've gotten really good at like in the, like as I'm having sex with someone, is this okay? Can I put my hand here? Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if we use this? Is it like you're consistently checking in because like, as we know, like consent can be taken away yeah. at any given moment and somebody can say no and have a hard stop to something. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to respect that. And like also with couples where I would just be like, I think you guys just are having bad sex because you're literally not talking about yeah. what, like you're not yeah. feeling, pl- you're not talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what this is making me think? It's like, good sex doesn't mean a lot of sex. No. And like, the frequency that you have sex and the more sex that you have doesn't make you better at sex. Yeah. No, sometimes really good sex can't be frequent. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like there needs to be some time in between for the body to regenerate. Yeah. Well, because really good sex is not lazy. No. That doesn't mean that it's like crazy active, but like it means that you are lazy to me means like not. Engage. Anticipating anything mm-hmm. or expecting anything. And yeah, and being actively engaged in someone yeah. else and not yourself. Yeah. Like for some moments engaged can be with your with your eyes mm-hmm. or like with your words. Sometimes engaged can mean like with your muscles and your body. Mm-hmm. I think engaged can it's a back and forth. Mm-hmm. You can't do all the work. Yeah. Not all mm-hmm. at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely like just a conversation. It's yeah. like it's it's a conversation between two two bodies. Yeah. Okay, so how do we bring these conversations that we need to have with ourselves, with our partners in the bedroom into stories that are for an audience, for strangers and make it accessible? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, and I don't know if I have, like, a full answer to that, but I think it's just about having conversations like we're having and continuing to have them and continuing to normalize, uh, like, normalize sex and normalize the fact that people have it and it means a lot of different things and, like, it's not taboo and, like, part of the, the, what was cool about working at the Museum of Sex was that that was just kind of, like, the under, like, Mm -hmm. conversation was just, like, we can just talk about it and that's so nice and, like, it is interesting because I, I find myself talking very openly about sex because I'm so used to 
yeah, that environment. It just happens and, one day. Yeah, and sometimes people are like, oh, um, uh, ooh, wow, oh, yeah. like that's, I'm a little Didn't like, know this about you. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, you know, and I'm just, I think we just have to keep talking about it and keep, yeah. you know, the people who, like us in this room, who like know mm-hmm. how to talk about normalizing it and making it something that's accessible and like just keep doing that. And, you know, I work a lot with youth too. Um, I've been a mentor for a couple of years to some girls at Rikers Island and to some girls, um, they're dealing with some real shit, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, I also have been just a mentor to a lot of young women and I, I always make sure that I talk to them about sex because I don't know what they, their conversations Mm -hmm. are. Um, and I, I just try and like normalize it, especially with the young people that I interact with as much as possible and like make sure that they know that I'm a resource that they can talk to in the same way that my mother was for me, Mm -hmm. because I know that like my relationship with my mother and like how open we are is not the case for a a vast majority of people so whenever I work with youth I'm always like use me as a resource like tell me what you need you can talk to me you can trust me and also Mm -hmm. like your body is not a dangerous thing your body is not you know something that you need to be afraid of it's something that you should be respectful of and listening to and like pleasure is okay and like just letting people know that as many times as I possibly can there's almost a responsibility that you get when you have a brain like yours <laughs> of like this information must be shared mm-hmm. and I must give it to someone. Um, that's amazing that you have opportunities to mm-hmm. give this knowledge to these individuals. Well, it sounds like you have the opportunity in your one-on-one work with like mentorship mm-hmm. and with being a teaching artist, mm-hmm. but you also have the opportunity in the actual performance you're creating. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how you feel like performance is a good medium Mm -hmm. for exploring these conversations. So two years ago, I had this residency at Oceanfront Studios where I was really interested in exploring um, queer intimacy, uh, specifically between like black femmes. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a, it labeled it sort of as like, it was like me and three other black women. Um, and I labeled it as like an intimacy workshop and I invited everybody to come in and we did a series of, of, um, like connection exercises. So it was like, mm. hold the hands of the strangers next to you. How did that feel? Touch foreheads with the stranger next to you. How did that feel? Mm. Hold the stranger, hold, like hold the stranger next to you. How did that feel? Mm. And like, we kind of went through like a series of like, nobody in the room knew each other. I mean, it was a lot of my friends, but like nobody in the room, like knew each other and you were supposed to like not you were supposed to connect with somebody in an intimate way yeah. um, and learn and talk about like our bodies in that way. And we did body maps where everybody traced themselves out and literally wrote like in the city of their body, like where yeah. are things located and wh- mm. where do you experience emotion? Where are you feeling? Um, and that was a really interesting, I look back on that residency and, and like, you know, obviously I'm like, Oh my God, I could have done A, B and C. I could have yeah. done so many more things. But what Always. I learned is that if you give people the space to be like vulnerable, if you give people the space to explore themselves in a way that they wouldn't normally and like sit in like a room with like incense burning and like you're holding hands or then you're, you're I, the last exercise was like making eye contact mm-hmm. with somebody for five minutes. Wow. Um, a self-selecting room also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And right. people were like, you know, very moved and yeah. crying. And you know, when you like break that barrier down, like you are able to, I think, tap into something a lot deeper. And I think that's what's amazing about theater is that yeah. you can create that space and you, you know, I'm a big believer in like, as soon as I interact with an audience or with people or in a community, my work is no longer mine. It has become the responsibility mm-hmm. of everybody in the room. Absolutely. Um, I always start with community guidelines about what we need to feel safe in this space mm-hmm. as artists, as you know, like I literally like any show I ever do, I start with like, what do we need to hold ourselves accountable to, to make yeah. sure that we are all 
respectful of each other and like when you create spaces like that having conversations that seem a little taboo or seem scary or seem you know like intangible um are a lot easier Um, so it sounds like the foundation you set in the process of making your art Mm -hmm. is what allows for this openness to translate to an audience Mm -hmm. and I think that that's necessary like laying that foundation down about safety about you know you are going to enter a community it might be a temporary (laughs) one but like we're going to be talking about some things that we should be talking about and like how do you want to talk about them Mm -hmm. how do you need to what do you what do you need to feel safe and how can I help facilitate that how do you navigate the unknown nature of an audience right and how sometimes incredibly diverse and sometimes incredibly not diverse Mm -hmm. an audience can be especially in the theater Mm -hmm. and how these stories that we're telling are supposed to be universal Mm -hmm. but you aren't really always guaranteed that reception from an audience yeah so um i worked uh at the whitney biennial um for their performance series and there was an artist named autumn knight who is a performance artist but has Mm -hmm. a background in um theater uh therapy and she's fantastic everybody should look her up she is amazing she did uh, solange's beltway video and she's like literally she's so dope autumn knight look her up um but she would have these these things called sanity tv which was like a talk show but there was no real like prompt or no real like kind of format and you would just come in and things would be like slightly askew or like you know it'd be sort of like a weird but you know it was just very much like interacting with people as as they are yeah and what happened she had one meeting one time um where i don't remember what led up to us but she was like okay can every black woman in the room like stand in the middle of the room and we're having like a meeting of the black women a caucus um yeah and she was like it's the black women meeting and so like i got up and like all the black women were standing there and like i don't remember what we were talking about but this woman this one woman was like um was like this is a spectacle like she just like had the mic and she was like this is a hmm. spectacle and autumn was like okay what do you mean she was like all of this like it's just this is a spectacle and i'm but all my, performance I is was kind like, of a spectacle i was like this is performance art like of course it is but yeah. then she like said this it was really interesting because she said this really she grabbed the mic and she said um black women are incredibly resilient and you you should all be lucky that we haven't burned this world down twice over and it was just such an intense hmm. like and i literally grabbed the mic and was like um, I didn't know that the meeting was going to be like this. Um, you know, like I was not sure. I didn't know that that's what we were going to be doing. Um, and it fucked up the room. Like literally the rest of, you could feel it in the air after no that. No one wanted to be there. No, but nobody wanted to be there. And it, it was started off so jovially. But what Autumn did and what I think is so, what's so brilliant about her is that she like played back to yeah. like, she was like, this is a spectacle. You know, yeah. she would like playing back to that language and was able to turn things around um, to incorporate like that very real thought of like you know black women's anger into this like this is also the Whitney there's a ton of white people here too mm-hmm. like how do we make sure that well, everyone's still like cared for while you're performing yeah this. no that one and like she I mean I can't imagine how exhausted she was after that one but like you know it, she, it was just one of those things where she was able to navigate the space and read the room and that's her theater therapy is like you know kind of she yeah. knows how to do that but like she has the tools to yeah, be able to has, handle that context yeah yeah, yeah 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 and I think that's what it is this is kind of like keeping your cool and like you know you don't know what's going to happen and that's kind of the thrill of it yeah. and like yeah, just, the nervousness of theater yeah and like you're oh, like yeah. oh you don't know how people are going to respond and like if it's negative like why was it negative let's talk about yeah. it if it was positive like let's talk about it and so yeah just having the tools and like knowing how to like 
I don't know, recover from a situation like yeah. that. I'm not letting it like ruin everything. You know, sex and theater have something very in common oh, yeah. here where it's <laughs> so we, I was just about to say. like the performative element, obviously, but I'm thinking more like that feeling of like we prepare and prepare and prepare mentally you alone. Mm-hmm. Rehearse, Practice. And then all of a sudden you're in front of your audience yeah. and you're just relying on your tools. Mm-hmm. Wait, Philip, you're a genius. Thank you. We, yeah. we do. We seriously rehearse and practice sex. And mm-hmm. we rehearse it on our own, like through yeah. masturbation. I was going to say, and porn. porn. You watch, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I always say, like, the best art is made by people who see other art. Mm-hmm. And in this great way, it's like you have porn for that. You have masturbation mm-hmm. for that. Like, you're literally practicing and rehearsing this behavior, mm-hmm. this set of tools, mm-hmm. right? And, and in a lot of ways, like, the show you're speaking of is performance art. It's not, like, stage capital theater it's mm-hmm. like something that's malleable and is resisting and engaging with and responding to their partner which is the audience mm-hmm. yeah. Right? yeah yeah and it's specifically that instance is so much about like it doesn't exist without the per the people because mm-hmm. the people color it in Michaela thank you so much for doing this podcast with us of this is course. just so fun talking about sex intimacy pleasure stories stories including those words in the stories um and everybody come check us out this march in donuts and holes michaela will be directing dana will be directing you're blowing my cover (laughs) i stopped making theater (laughs) we're not theater makers shut up Um, (laughs) and thank you for coming thank you for coming thank you for having me this was so fun